sci-fi, old-time radio, science fiction stories from RelicRadio.com.
And right now, Johnny, what I wouldn't give to see a tree again. And cornfields in Kansas. Me? I want to hear a bird sing. And, and watch the lights go on in the skyscrapers along the waterfront. I want to dance with my girl and breathe in the sweet smell of my life. Boy, if I... What's that? Huh? That, that sound, that vibration. There, do you hear it? Hold on. I'm not sure whether I heard or, or felt it, Johnny. Like a current of air passing by me. Yeah, that's it. Some kind of pulsation. Like, like skin tingling. Listen. Sounded different, didn't it? Yeah, different pitch. The, the instruments are all steady. Nothing on the, the, the screen. The radar's negative. What is it, Johnny? Where's it from? Not from Earth, I'll swear to that. I got a crazy notion, Paul. A crazy notion that someone's trying to signal it. You, you mean... I don't know what I mean. Maybe the case right. Maybe I got to touch you. Johnny. Johnny, what is it? Look, Paul. Look, Look at the direction pointer. It's swung all the way around. Those sounds, those waves are coming from outer space. I got to Electrical impulses discharged by the brain 
which vary with the particular thought. An intriguing idea, Dr. Lee. If only we had some instrument that could pick up and sort out these impulses. There is such an instrument, Professor Wilson. Why, sir? I have been working on it for many years. It involves a scanning screen intercepting an electrified field. Well, what are we waiting for? You understand, the telepathator has only been tested for short distances. The signals are reaching us. That's the only important thing, isn't it? How soon can we... The instrument is in the next room. I took the liberty of bringing it with me, hoping it might conceivably be of some use. This way, gentlemen. Say, this little machine can take thoughts and turn them into words we can hear? English words? Not only English, Mr. Mateep. It will translate thought impulses into any language for which you sniff the dials. You think of something, Mr. Dixon. Now, listen. First, I said for French. German. Wonderful, these are Chinesen. And English? Don't give her these Chinese. <laughs> you must understand. Oh, excuse me, Doctor Lee, but we'll have to postpone this. Fifteen seconds to go. Better set your dials for remote pickup. Stand by, everyone. Nothing. More power. Well, it's a good try. Wait. I've got that feeling again. My, my, my skin's beginning to crawl. Yeah, yeah, mine too. Oh no, it's just your imagination. Quiet. They are coming through now. Planet four. Greeting, planet three. This is The fourth planet from the sun. Greeting, planet three. Planet four calling, planet three. We are trying to reach you, planet three. If you receive our signal, respond. If you receive our signal, respond. We will communicate again. Life on Mars. This week, ladies and gentlemen, the question that has bedeviled mankind ever since the day he first stood erect and gazed into the heavens has been answered. There is life on Mars. Intelligent, articulate life. The country, the world tonight, seethes with excitement. Has Mars received our response? As our telepathator succeeded in projecting as thoughts the messages spoken into it by human beings. Or can it really receive? The smell of lilac, Terry. Mm. I'll never get enough of it. Oh, it's lovely, Johnny. And look, there's a moon out tonight. Moon? Please. You know, it's hard to believe that back in 1950, people could still get romantic over that cold, dead, pockmarked, heavenly yo-yo. <laughs> now, that red star up there. Mars. That's a different proposition. It's alive. There are living beings up there. Honey, it's staggering. It's, it's beyond imagination. It's Rubbish. Like... Why shouldn't there be life up there? They're so advanced. Spaceships and interplanetary signals. Maybe you've got a point at that. We thought we were so smart because we reached the moon. Our spaceships aren't developed enough yet to get to Mars. It's just as well. What? Because you would want to be the first to go. Wouldn't you like that? I'd be quite a hero. You could point at my picture and say, Hey, that's my guy. You're my guy anyway, Johnny. Sure, Terry. Don't worry, honey. I, 
I won't be seeing any Martians for a long time. All personnel, stand by. Stand by for XM signal. That'll be Mars. Hop to it, Johnny. Telepathator setting, 212 degrees, 18 seconds. Frequency, 600,000. Got that, Johnny? Check. Planet 4, calling Planet 3. Planet 4, calling Planet 3. We greet you in peace. Your response received. We come through. The time has come. At this moment, which marks the beginning of the great interstellar age between worlds, it is fitting that there be between us a meeting of minds. Therefore, we are sending a ship to visit your planet. The ship will depart tonight and enter your magnetic field in seven of our days. Have landing instructions ready. We come in peace. We come. This is Matt Wilson bringing you a report of the emergency session of the Federated World Government. Never has an assembly meeting taken place of such an atmosphere of excitement, panic, and recrimination. And here on the floor... I say, Chief we've been up all the battle. ...aroused by the stunning message from Mars have been boiling and clashing all day. I rise for a point of information. As civilian head of the world military government, I want to know why those Martians have beaten us to the ground. Gentlemen, gentlemen, if the decision we are to make is to be a wise one. We must lay aside passions and fears and consider the question calmly. The emotions are coming and we must receive them either with friendship or hostility. That, that may not be as simple as it sounds. Remember, my friend, these Martians are advanced scientifically perhaps far beyond us. They have conquered this space they can transmit both ways. They may have weapons beside which our nuclear bombs are as toy pistols. Dr. Lee is right, gentlemen. We don't dare fight them off. The risk is too great. They come in peace. They said so over and over again. Let us so receive them. Very well, very well. If such is the will of this body, let them come in peace. But as civilian head of the world military government, I assure you all, we will not be found napping. Earth calling Martian interstellar ship. Earth calling Martian interstellar ship. Here are the landing instructions of the Federated World Government. Three Earth days from this hour, which will be the sixth Martian day of your flight through space, you will be met by an escort of 20 rocket ships. We will greet you in the name of peace. The 20 rocket ships will escort you... Instructions to Commission of Defense. All escort rocket ships assigned to a company Martian spaceship will carry the following armaments. Death fog sprays, magnetic disintegrators, atomic missiles, class B 
the army. And upon your entry into the Earth's atmosphere, you will circle our globe once and then make landing at our spaceport at Los Alamos, New Mexico, which will be ready to receive you. The spaceport of Los Alamos shall be mined to a depth of 50 feet with tritonium landmines. The field shall be encircled with radioactive flamethrowers and a reserve force. From the landing field, you will be conducted to the seat of the world government at Washington, D.C., where you will be received and housed in suitable accommodations. We will welcome you in peace. Check out. We will welcome you in peace. We hope. Suitable accommodation. Trust McCabe to hand me a crackpot assignment like this. Oh, Johnny, you're the big safe man. You're supposed to know by instinct what's suitable accommodation for a Martian. Don't be silly, Terry. I haven't the slightest notion in the world what they'll look like except some crazy ideas I picked up from science fiction. I don't know why. All right, all right. That's why we're here. The head of our anthropology section has more ideas than any science fiction writer you've ever read. Now, here we are. Ah, Terry, come in. Hello, Professor. Uh, this is Mr. Dixon, the young man I told you about. I know, Mr. Dixon. Professor, I've got a problem. Yeah, 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 Terry and I have discussed the problem. It is my theory that the Martians will, in most important respects, have the characteristics of uh, the Earthman. Oh, what's the basis of your theory, Professor? It's very simple. <clears throat> the accomplishments of the Martians parallel our own. Only a being with opposable thumbs can fashion the intricate devices necessary for spaceships. Only a being with a nervous system like our own could master communication. Only a creature with a brain like ours could dream of peace. Makes sense, Professor. Uh, that's one side of it, Johnny. A lot of other anthropologists think differently. Ah, uh, yeah, that is so. They feel that the Martians living on a dry planet with little vegetation and very little water will be creatures that crawl on the ground like our insects. Enlarged a few thousand times. They may look like enormous ants with oversized antennae. I give up. With 48 hours left, I can't prepare accommodations for every conceivable form of life. I just have to improvise after they get here. I just hope they don't get too sick when they first look at us. <laughs> This is Matt Wilson again, reporting from the spaceport at Los Alamos. A tremendous crowd is gathered here. We're awaiting the appearance of the spaceship from Mars, which is being escorted by 20 rocket ships from the rendezvous near the moon. According to reports, all's gone well so far. The Martian ship... Oh, one moment, please. The audio of our announcement is going to be made to the people assembled. Your attention, please. The ship from Mars and its escorts will be seen any moment from the east. You heard that. Any moment, the ship from Mars can... And now, the ship from Mars! The Martian ship is idling over the field now, casting a huge shadow over the landscape. It's an awe-inspiring spectacle. The ship is tremendous. 18 to 20 stories in height, several city blocks long, and 
It's large windows are fashioned of some kind of transparency. Civilian commander to special defense patrol. Man battle stations. Our technical experts are staring at the craft in open mouth wonder. Mr. McCabe, Mr. McCabe, what, what, what is your reaction? I, I am dumbfounded. The ship doesn't seem to operate on a rocket principle. There's, there's no belching fire, no clouds of smoke. I keep wondering what kind of fuel they use. What principles of propulsion? What, what, what metal? Thank you, sir. The ship is almost touching the ground now, and the crowd is getting uneasy. Why, they're, they're falling back. As though, as though there was something. I, I see it now. It's some blue haze drifting about the Martian ship, forming a twenty-foot flight of whatever it is. Commander, defense control. Zero hour. Reorient all weapons. Remove safety controls. Stand by to fire. Secretary of the World Federation is going to speak. As your great ship settles on our soil, we salute you, the emissaries of space. We wait eagerly for your appearance. Now, the blue mist has completely vanished. All eyes are on the ship, waiting for the first Martian to appear. There is no sign of activity yet. Will you respond to our greetings, Martians? Will you make your presence... No. Nothing stirring. No gangplank lowered. No sign of life. Perhaps they were not prepared for atmospheric conditions here. Perhaps on the very brink of success, death has struck within that awe-inspiring vessel. Wait, wait, yes, yes, it's moving. A tremendous section of the ship's bow is opening out in front. Like a gigantic tongue, it thrusts forward and drops to earth, forming a great raft from the ship to our soil. And now it's down at the surface of the raft. The surface of the raft is like nothing ever seen on this earth. A shimmering, impalpable iridescence, unbelievably radiant and beautiful. The throng of spectators is silent, motionless, scarcely breathing, waiting to see the first Martian emerge. And still, nothing. No one. No thing comes down the ramp. There is nothing. the Martian communication vibrations we were told about. Then men on the field are operating the receiving device. Good men, we ask that you send one representative to board our craft. We assure his safety. Gentlemen, gentlemen, there is no cause for alarm. I think there is. They want a hostage or a specimen to take back with them. There's no time for anything. They're waiting for a decision, Mr. Secretary. Yes, Mr. McKay. If it's all right to the committee, I'd like to go for it. Technical information, sir. No. Quiet, Charlie. This is my dish, McCabe. I was slated for the space run to Mars, remember? You're not doing me out of this. Besides, you're too valuable to waste. Mr. Secretary, tell them I'm coming aboard. Men of Mars, we should fly with your request. Our representative is about to board your ship. Johnny Dixon. This is it. Take a good long look at the sun in the sky. Take a deep breath of the Earth's good air. You may never get another, if you meet. Whatever is waiting at the end of this long ramp. The ramp? It, it's pulling me forward like a conveyor belt. It's beginning to rise into the air. Get a move on, Johnny. Get into the ship. Get into the ship. Get out. No one here. Nothing except that 
Come close. Follow the light, Earthman. The walls will not impede you. Molecular reorientation? Changing the density of solid matter at will? We achieved that 10,000 cycles ago, Earthman. Where are you, Manafort? This room is flooded with light, but I, I, I see no one. We are not ready to reveal ourselves. The people of Earth are waiting to see you, to welcome you. There is nothing to fear. We are not afraid. Dixon. You know my name? We know many things. That is why we are sad. Filled with revulsion. I don't understand. What do you mean? Through the dark spaceways we came to you, in peace. You said to us, come in peace. But the escorts you sent to honor us were armed for destruction. The very ground on which we now rest seeds with radioactive potential. Wait! You misunderstood us. These weapons are for defense against you, not attack. Many cycles ago, we of Mars learned, as you Earthmen will someday learn, that wars are fought, men are slaughtered, civilizations wiped out by those who attack with weapons of defense. But our world is at peace now. Your peace is not peace. It is a thin cloak which covers the hates and fears and savagery of primitive beings. Observe, Dixon. On this large visit screen, we have for hours been viewing your people in many parts of your Earth. Watch. Listen. I warned you it was a trap. We'll never again see Dixon alive. I told you not to trust foreigners. Just give me the word and I'll blast them all in the kingdom come. You must not be deceived. He's only one man. The rest of us are different. Are you? Look at this. From another part of your civilized earth. You have been invited to a party. You've been guilty of bourgeois thinking. You have shown yourself to the enemies of our people. You will pay the penalty. But first you will confess. Confess. That's a backward part of our planet. It's not fair to judge by them. Then we reveal a more civilized area. The country of your birth, Dixon. Then, and then only, we will return. Who 
go back to your people, men of Earth, and give them the message from Mars. exciting drama on 2000 Plus, The Silent Noise. In the year 2000 Plus 20, an important man is murdered. How will the police of the future track down a killer? And what new methods of assault will the criminals of tomorrow use? Listen next week and you'll find out. 2000 Plus is produced by Sherman H. Dreyer and Robert Winolson. In today's story, Ken Williams played Johnny, Louis Van Ruten played the voice of Mars, Lon Clark played McCabe, Frank Behrens was the senator, Amzie Strickland was Terry, Sanford Beckert was Paul, and Gilbert Mack was Dr. Lee. The orchestra was conducted by Emerson Buckley, music composed by Elliot Jacoby. Script by Judith and David Public. Sound by Walt Shaver and Al April. Engineer Bob Albrecht, and your announcer, Ken Marvin. Program of This is Mutual Broadcasting System. Two Thousand Plus was a mutual series that debuted in March of 1950, aired until January of 1952. The story you heard today was When the Worlds Met from May 3, 1950. You can find more from Two Thousand Plus, more science fiction thousands of other old-time radio episodes at relicradio.com. I'd like to help support this and all of the shows, help keep them coming every week. Click on that donate button. We've got some downloadable sets for certain donation amounts. Any amount is always helpful. Thanks to those who have helped out. Thanks for joining me today. I'll be back next Monday with another episode of Relic Radio Science Fiction.